Breakers Podcast, and I am your host, Bryce Christensen, and this is Breakouts and Sleepers on Tap. Our second half portion of this episode will have guest Ellie Berkovitz from Fantasy Pros and Pack to the Future. Super excited to have him on. But the first half of our Breakouts and Sleepers is going to be focusing on Packers training camp number six, which just finished uh, today on Wednesday, July 31st. Uh, length was about two hours and 20 minutes, the longest practice so far for Packers training camp. And I think a lot of it was because they ended on a two-minute drill to end practice. So the first team got a touchdown, second team nothing, no dice, and the third team got a field goal by Sam Ficken. Uh, the play of practice, I got to say, which now might be a little controversial, could have been offensive pass interference, but Matt LaFleur had said that he had to look at the tape during his press conference was Rodgers threw a bomb to a diving Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Alexander, with tight coverage, ended up being a huge touchdown. And I I got to think that this is just a budding uh, relationship. You might hear about MVS in our second half with Ellie Berkovitz. We're going to be highlighting two breakouts apiece and two sleepers. So for the stay tuned for that for our second half. And I just got to talk a little bit about how maybe some people might look at Jair Alexander's practice and think that, oh, man, he had a rough one. Uh, he did give up three touchdowns, to one to Devonta Adams, Darius Shepard, uh, North Dakota State University Bison alum, undrafted free agent Darling, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, which might have been nullified if it's offensive pass interference. But keep in mind that the Packers had arguably one of their worst practices offensively on Tuesday, Matt LaFleur, head coach Matt LaFleur, addressed that in his presser Tuesday afternoon, saying that it was sloppy, saying that it took a long time to run snaps to get to the line of scrimmage. So I think the offense came up, came out, came out juiced, ready to go. And Coach LaFleur said that that was refreshing, that the, the players responded and took that feedback and applied that to practice. So as long as they're buying in, as long as they're listening and this comes together, I'm super excited. I think uh, outside of that big play, uh, the biggest news in Packers training camp, their sixth practice, is uh, safety or inside linebacker hybrid Josh Jones. Um, been having a solid camp so far. Uh, decided not to participate in voluntary OTAs. Uh, was pretty vocal about uh, not wanting to be an inside linebacker, and here he is practicing. Uh, props to general manager Brian Gutekunst and head coach Matt LaFleur for addressing and handling that situation. But uh, it just seems like Josh Jones takes one step forward and two steps backwards because he got into a skirmish, a brawl with running back Trey, Car- or Trey Carson. And looks like uh, Tony Brown was involved in t- is involved as well. And with Josh Jones, uh, the biggest thing is that even with pads on, uh, he still didn't want players tackling. And so I think uh, what caused the melee was that he tackled Carson. Carson didn't like it. And there's a zero-tolerance policy for fighting. So Jones was pulled, and that was it. He did not return to practice. And with the whole, you know, Jermaine Whitehead and Demarius Randall and HaHa Clinton-Dix and Ty Montgomery, uh, the, the slightest whiff, waff, if you will, of discontentment of of being aggr- or 
you know, aggravated or frustrated, they were gone. And Josh Jones not participating in voluntary OTAs, saying that he's not an inside linebacker, and yet he comes in and has a solid camp so far, and then this is what happens. Clearly, head coach LaFleur was not happy during his presser when he addressed that situation. And again, it goes back to that mental side of the football. And this is what Josh Jones said. We got we have have to put the off season season stuff in the past. That's in the rear view. I'm living in the present, and present is helping this team competing, helping the Packers get where we want to be. And then again, if you're not supposed to tackle, don't tackle. Follow the freaking rules. And that's the thing with Josh Jones is that yes, he oozes all the physicality and athleticism that you want in that safety inside linebacker hybrid role, but you need it all to play in this league. And I, you need to know the intricacies and the nuances. And granted, everyone talks about, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals in the, in the 2017 season, how racked up, I believe, 12 tackles and, and a, uh, a sack um, was a difference maker in that game. Allowed the Packers to stay within it, and uh, Rodgers hit Geronimo Allison, I believe, and they kicked a field goal to win the game. So keep your eye on Josh Jones. Uh, you know He gets praised for having a great camp, and then this happens. Clearly, Lafleur wasn't happy, so I mentioned that in my 53 on tap episode that he would uh, probably get traded, and I'm still buying into it. Um, it'll, the biggest concern would be depth, but... I don't know. This just, again, it's another black eye on Josh Jones. And I want to see how they respond with uh, Thursday's practice. Uh, so we'll see from, from there. But uh, wanted to talk a little bit about Zadarius Smith. He continues to dominate in one-on-ones. He signed a four-year, $66 million deal. Uh, he had eight and a half sacks last year. He uh, And, you know, he lit up David Bakhtiari in Tuesday's practice. And David Bakhtiari had said that, he mentioned that he hasn't gotten beat in a while and didn't know what that felt like, so it was good to experience that. So again, I think that you have all the right players coming in, and they're just going to make each other better. D- Darno Savage, our boy, our baby, first-round draft pick, number 21 overall, he returned. Uh, the offensive line uh, line alignment, um, you've got Alex Light at right tackle. Um, he was spelling... Brian Balaga, uh, biggest inactives, I guess, would be Aaron Jones, pulled for hamstring issues, uh, just precautionary. Jamal jo- uh, Williams still out, and Dexter Williams got to run with the ones, pun intended. Had a rough practice, but that's to be expected. He's a six-round rookie from Notre Dame, but he has a lot of potential. He's that one-cut runner that can take it. Um, he's very elusive. I think that... Uh, he would complement Aaron Jones well. And something that I want to keep an eye on is Jamal Williams not being involved in practice. And so this only hurts him. And he might be a guy that might be on the outside looking in, especially with uh, the recent acquisitions of Corey Grant and Darren uh, Darren Hall. Uh, not to say that um, they're world beaters and that Jamal Williams isn't, but again, it comes down to competition and who has a great camp. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser continues to just be a heckle and jide, and not even that. He just continues to have just a rough camp. I'm trying to refrain from dogging these players personally. I know they're human beings, and 
Um, but this is their job, and two brutal deep balls to end his two-minute drill. Uh, one caught by a Packers Stafford five yards behind, beyond the right sideline, and the other landed nowhere near a wide receiver. Um, that was reported by The Athletic. Uh, Kevin King was sitting out at the end of practice just being mindful of reps, and Kadar Holman came in, six-round draft pick out of Toledo, and looks to have a solid camp so far. Um, he's a big-time player that I think that, uh, not this year, but could be a big-time player year two, year three. The Kadar Holman is definitely an unknown Packers favorite. Uh, Jamon Moore having a quiet camp. Tim Boyle connected with him a couple times. Uh, the whole fumble-itis or just catching it and having the case of basking it rather than catching with his hands. Jamon Moore is coming, prepared, uh, and he's producing. And to wrap up the first portion of our breakouts and sleepers on tap and before we welcome Ellie Berkovitz of Pack to the Future and Fantasy Pros, I, I wanted to continue our unsung hero edition. And I know I'm using the term hero loosely, but it's just more of shining a spotlight. Maybe I should call it unsung spotlight, something like that, on a Packers player. And today it's Dexter Williams, you know, six-round draft pick out of Notre Dame. Like I said, had a rough practice uh, running with the ones with Jones and Williams out. But keep in mind, he fits Matt LaFleur's scheme, uh, that outside run scheme. And he has that physical talent and that, that athletic profile that LaFleur's looking in that outside zone scheme. And the focal point for that is the running backs are looking to target and press the line of scrimmage near the tackle, make a cut when a hole appears, and then turn up field. And this is courtesy of Packers Wire, uh, Jack Wepfer. And even though rookies, it takes a while for them to get acclimated. Um, Matt LaFleur said, quote, that's something that we're going to continue to harp on him because he has improved, but he still has a ways to go. And that's what LaFleur is looking for. He's looking to sharpen uh, Williams a little bit and acclimate him from college to the pros. And he only had 257 carries during college. So again, we might have to tread lightly and experience could be a big time issue with that. And the biggest thing is that the Packers will need to um, be consistent when it comes to that zone run attack. And that entire scheme is built off the running back getting to that edge and setting up the blocks for the offensive lineman. Once you get out to the line of scrimmage too late, that lane might not be there. You cut back too early and the back could ruin a block for a lineman out front. So as Jack Wepfer says a Packers wire, it's a delicate balance that requires decisiveness from the running back. And so we do have a very uh, seasoned and what I think a great coach and running backs coach, Ben Sermons. Uh, he's got quite the resume, and I think that he will continue to work with Dexter Williams, but he did have a fumble on a pitch from Aaron Rodgers today. Like I said, it was a rough practice. So he's a guy that I want to keep an eye on. But again, he's a six-round draft pick out of Notre Dame. And so uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table. But again, it's early, patient. Patience is a virtue when it comes to these uh, later round draft picks as well, these rookies, and this new scheme that Coach LeFleur is implementing. Going to take a quick commercial break, and we will be back with our second half of Breakouts and Sleepers on tap. Yeah. 
Welcome back to the Unknown Packers podcast for the second half of Breakouts and Sleepers on Tap. And we have guest Ellie Berkowitz from Pack to the Future and Fantasy Pros. We're going to be highlighting our two breakouts and our two sleepers for the upcoming 2019-2020 season of your Green Bay Packers. Ellie, how are you doing? Thank you so much for being on the Unknown Packers podcast. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Bryce. I'm really excited to be on the Unknown Packers podcast. And um, yeah, I'm pumped to go through our breakouts and sleepers for the Packers this year. Awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. And why don't we get, uh, before we dive into that, can you tell me a little bit about uh, your background, um, why you're a Packers fan, how we kind of connected? I mean, I think most people know it, it, it's through Packers Twitter. That's how we connect with most people. But uh Tell me a little bit about yourself, like uh, obviously Pack to the Future and Fantasy Pros, what your roles are in that, and um, yeah, with Packers Twitter as well. Um, yeah, so I became a Packer fan basically from birth. I'm, I do live in Chicago, but my father is from Milwaukee, so we grew up a Packers family, and uh, I've always been a huge fan. And then in regards to Fantasy Pros and Pack to the Future, uh, Pack to the Future about a year ago, I started writing for them. And now I'm one of their writers slash editors on the site. And Fantasy Pros, I actually just released my first personal article with them just uh, last week, an Aaron Jones fantasy preview that uh, you should definitely check out on fantasypros.com. And yeah, I'm just a featured fantasy writer for them. I'm glad you mentioned that article. I actually read that today and didn't realize that you wrote it, Ellie, until the end. And I was like, wait a minute, what are the chances? <laughs> you wrote this article. I was researching a little bit about uh, uh, maybe this is a little preview into what our breakouts are going to be. But uh, I thought the article was great. And it, it definitely got me a little bit more excited to have you on the Unknown Packers podcast. Thank you. Um, this has been something that's kind of been in the works for a while, and so I'm glad uh, we get to break down our two breakouts and our two sleepers. And I think it's only polite of me to have you start off with your first Packers breakout, and who do you have breaking out for the Green Bay Packers? So my number one breakout for the Packers in 2019 is Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who I think is a pretty popular pick amongst Packer Twitter and Packer fans and analysts. He had a pretty impressive rookie season where he finished with 38 receptions, 581 yards, and two scores. So, you know, those numbers might not jump off the page to the average fan, but anyone who watches Packer football knows just what he showed as a rookie and um, everything he could become as he grows in this offense with Rodgers and now Matt LaFleur coming in. It seems like he'll be the starting receiver opposite Devontae Adams on the outside. And I think that's the perfect role for him. He's crazy fast. He ran a 4-3-7 at the, you know, out of college. And I'm really excited to see him in more of a featured role on the outside now with uh, Geronimo kicking in the middle on the slot. Yeah, I think that's a really sexy breakout pick. And I love I love his workouts with Randy Moss and I know Randy Moss is a little bit older, but it does it does it does feel good to see him burn that former Minnesota Viking that made my blood boil back in the day. <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna I'm gonna give uh, my breakout real quick, uh, and I I think that some people think that this is pretty common, and while I all agree with it, I, I I'm gonna break it down and why I think that this breakout has yet to occur occur. And why I think the breakout um, 
hasn't happened yet. And my breakout player uh, that I think is for the Green Bay Packers is going to be Aaron Jones. And I think that what's exciting about Aaron Jones, you know, going into his third year, mm-hmm. uh, he's he's already talked about expecting to match produ- production with Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott. Elliott getting o- almost uh, f- close to 1,500 yards last year. Gordon having 900 y- yards last year, but uh, a ton of receptions and then having 1,100 yards a year before. And I know that he's only... He, he only had 133 carries last year for 728 yards, but in the last two seasons, he's averaged 5.5 yards per carry. And if you look at all the other rushers, no one has has come even close to that. Uh, last year, you had Derrick Henry with 4.9 yards per carry, and I believe Ezekiel Elliott had like something like 4.7. Mm-hmm. But I look at Aaron Jones, and when you have Nathaniel Hackett and you have Matt Lafleur. Uh, talking about how dynamic he is and once he makes that cut yeah. and he makes that cut and he has the agility to, ability to get his shoulders square and then he can run downhill. I mean, we've all seen it where you you, you think that he's going to get tackled and he just keeps his legs churning and then he has the, the elusiveness and the vision. And I think when you marry that with Matt LaFleur and, and, and his scheme, I think that's what makes it so exciting about this breakout. And so I know that he missed the first two games because of weed last year, and he missed the last two games because of his MCL tear, his third in the last two years. I think that's the concern. Uh, uh, Can he actually do it 16 games? That's why I don't think he's a breakout yet. I don't think it's all come together. And also in the passing game as well. Matt LaFleur's... Say that again, I'm sorry. No, I was just, yeah, I was just saying that, yeah, I mean, if, if there's any questions in regards to Jones, the only thing would be his health, which has been an issue his first two years. But, I mean, his play when he's on the field, it's so clearly that he's just an unbelievable running back. And now that he's going to be in a system that probably caters a lot more to running backs than McCarthy's did, I mean, yeah, he the sky's the limit for him. If he plays 16 games, I mean, we're looking at, Upside of over 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns, you know, 50, 60 receptions. I, I mean, I, I'm extremely, extremely high in Aaron Jones. The only the only thing with him would be staying healthy. But if he does, it's going to be really something to watch. That and also, can he become that dual threat uh, in the backfield? Can he be that pass-catching monster that made, you know, uh, Derrick Henry really uh, – vital for the uh, Tennessee Titans. They also had uh, Deion Lewis as well last year. The Titans were seventh last year with over 2,000 yards and 15 touchdowns. Then you had the Rams seventh in 2017, albeit he was the offensive coordinator, and McVay was uh, calling the plays. But then in 2016, he was a quarterback's coach, and uh, they were eighth. And so I, you you have Lafleur and how excited they are with Aaron Jones. You have Nathaniel Hackett, um, talking, speaking volumes about him, precautionary reasons today of holding him out. I mentioned that a little bit earlier in our uh, breakouts and sleepers on tap episode that he was pulled uh, because of a hamstring issue, uh, just precautionary reasons. But I'm glad we're on the same page with Aaron Jones. I think uh, one little interesting thing is that he actually hired um, some, I believe, high school football players at uh, his home, yeah, so his that. hometown in El Paso and uh, had them just do all these different passes of uh, maybe a pass a little bit in front of him, a little bit behind him, a little bit too high. And so that's all he's been doing working 
uh, on that, as well as trimming his body fat from 10 to 5%, completely transforming his diet. And that's the biggest thing is, can he stay healthy? But Yeah, I, I saw, yeah, throughout the offseason, yeah, he definitely got leaner and um, a bit thinner. And also um, in training camp, I saw some reports he was working with uh, the wide receivers coach and all the wide receivers and yeah, it seems like uh, pass catching is something he's really putting a big focus on this offseason, which I think is going to be very important because looking at the rest of the guys in the backfield, outside of maybe Corey Grant, who they just brought in, who's not even a lock for the roster, I don't see any other you know true pass catchers. I don't think Jamal Williams or Dexter Williams really fit that role. Um, that's why I think Jones could be a three down back in this league. He just It's just all about health with him. He's so good. And we saw last year, was it a ton? But when he caught the ball, like you mentioned earlier, I mean, you can't bring this guy down. And even when you're knocking him, he's fallen at least, you know, he's fallen gaining two or three more yards during the tackle. And I think if he can just lock up that receiving role as well in the backfield, we're looking at a top five back in the league minimum. Giddy up. I, I dig that. Give me your second breakout for the Green Bay Packers. So my second guy is Kevin King, who obviously was our second round pick two years ago and high expectations, of course, you know, trading out of the first round. And of course, that pick turned into TJ Watt and everyone wants to compare the two. I don't think it's, you know, so fair to compare them considering, number one, King's health issues and also the difference of position. But nevertheless, you know, people are expecting a lot from King. And when he's been on the field, he's been very good. But that's just the thing is when he's on the field, you know, similar to Jones, obviously to a bigger extent because he's missed more games in his career. But just like Jones, the talent is not a question with King. He has went on the field, been pretty locked down a corner. He's been good at tackling. He's been good man on man. He's been good in zone. It's just if he can manage to stay healthy for 16 games then looking at the duo of Jair Alexander and Kevin King, we'll be talking <clears throat> we'll be talking about them as a top five pairing for years to come. I mean, both of them are super talented and it's just about staying on the field, you know? And I think everyone's been saying Kevin King has looked terrific throughout this offseason and he's dropped a couple pounds working on just staying healthy. And if he if he could stay out there and and for the most part be at a hundred percent then I think we'll finally get to see the Kevin King we're all hoping for out of that draft for a full season. Yeah, I'm a huge Kevin King fan. Again, it's uh, both of our breakouts, there's a little bit of parallelism with Kevin King and, and Aaron Jones and, and if they can stay healthy. But uh, our man uh, Nick, who is our college and NFL draft analyst uh, for the Unknown Packers podcast in our Islands on Tap episode, he spoke volumes of Kevin King and saying how he could be a guy that um, that's why our episode was, I thought, cleverly named Islands on Tap because I think Jair Alexander yeah. and Kevin King can both be those lockdown Darrell Revis type of uh, of cor- of cornerbacks. Absolutely. And I think that's a perfect segue into my second breakout. And my second breakout is Jair Alexander uh, entering his second year. Former first-round draft pick, picked 18th overall out of Louisville. Uh, standing at 5'10", 190 pounds. He had a half sack last year, had one interception. He should have had another one that was nullified in that, I believe, week three game against the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, 11, I that. 11 passes defended. 
66 tackles. He's a guy that's going to bring that dog mentality, as our boy uh, Jared uh, at Title Town Rain has said. And I think Jair Alexander is is going to be an elite cornerback. Um, Bill Belichick has already talked about the moment he got drafted, he said that he's going to be one of the best cornerbacks for years to come. So I don't know um, if that is, you know, if that couldn't even be more of a better way to be inducted into the NFL than a guy like Bill Belichick saying that this guy's going to be one of the best. Um, I, I think that was one of the best compliments that you can expect. Definitely. I just, I just think that uh, breakout um, super stud. Um, I think he's going to be all pro. I think he's going to be the pulse and lifeline of this Green Bay Packers defense. I think everything is going to stem off of him. And with the acquisitions of Zadarius uh, Smith and Preston Smith and Adrian Amos, it only makes him better and allowing him to uh, to be that dog. I mean, that L.A. Rams game against Brandon Cooks, he completely locked him down and said that he probably should have had a pick or two in that. It just didn't go his way. In training camp, like I mentioned earlier, um, he's he had a tough uh, practice for Wednesday, but like I said, he's going up against Devontae Adams. He's going up against MBS. He's going up against top-tier guys as well as the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL, Aaron Rodgers. So that's going to make him better. I just I cannot wait to see what Jair Alexander is going to do for the Green Bay Packers. But he's my final breakout. Is there anything that you want to mention about Jair Alexander before we go into our sleepers? Um, yeah, the only thing I would add, I mean, not really add, is basically just kind of repeating what you said. But, I mean, in terms of guys on this team offense defense special teams doesn't matter like someone who i think just has maybe the most upside on this entire team is jair alexander he was so unbelievable last year as a rookie and like you mentioned that rams game and i mean you you watch any corner last year i don't know if you could find a better single game performance than he pulled last year against brandon cooks who's obviously one of the fastest guys in the league and he was covering him like like you said, Darrell Rivas. Like he was a ten year vet and he was step for step with him the entire way. And I really think that going into year two, like Pro Bowl is obviously very much, you know, a possibility and even more than that. I mean, the guy is the future of I think the cornerback position across the entire NFL, not just the Packers. Man, you are knocking it out of the ballpark as we do our segues. I love it. So I'm going to say giddy up again, and let, let's talk about our sleepers, Eli. Who's your number one sleeper for the Green Bay Packers? So my number one sleeper is another cornerback, actually, and that's Tony Brown, who has been getting a ton of hype this uh, training camp and offseason. He... He was on the team last year, obviously, didn't play a huge role on a weekly. I mean, towards the end of the year, he came on more as the season kind of faltered and Kevin King went on IR. But we all know about his speed. The guy is lightning fast and he plays with a serious aggression that that you like to see, you know, out of your out of your defensive backfield. The guy that's going to lay down the hit. He's not afraid of contact. And you know that no one's running past him. I think adding him, not adding him, but as he grows, you know, into what will probably be our fourth cornerback on the roster. I mean, that's incredible depth. You know, he could be, I think, as he continues to grow as a corner on another team, he would probably even be higher on the depth chart. But with Jair and Kevin King and Josh Jackson hopefully taking a step this year, he'll probably be still more of a limited role. But like he's, you know, not a guy that when you you put him on the field, you're not going to say, oh, man, you know, here comes 
the four-string corner. You're going to say, oh, wow, here comes Tony Brown. I can't wait to see him play because he's just a ton of fun. I, um, just, I think, two days ago, I put on Twitter a nice thread of Tony Brown and some of his best plays from last year, and you see just the way he plays off the snap and the aggression he uses. It's really it's something nice to watch, something that I think this Packers defense hasn't had for a while. Someone who's just ready to get in your face, get loud, get mean, and someone who's going to really give it to the offense. So I'm really excited about Tony Brown as a part as a good as a really good depth piece to the secondary. Yeah, and he just seems to fit that Mike Patton mold, like that nasty, that swagger. Uh, mm-hmm, exactly. And I, I just feel with Jair Alexander, I mean, we haven't seen Darnell Savage play. He just returned to practice, um, like I mentioned in, the, in our first half of breakouts and sleepers on tap. But mm-hmm. I, I agree. I, I think that he not only will be depth, but I think he'll be making plays. And it's that supporting cast around him, as long as they stay healthy, Again, I think Tony Brown is a big part of that overall nucleus uh, going into that 2019-2020 season. So excellent sleeper. He's actually one of uh, Jared's uh, favorite players um, and has actually been watching him since his uh, Bama days. So uh, someone that uh, I'm glad that you mentioned. My, uh, My first sleeper, and I thought about doing him for a breakout, but I just still think that sleeper is more appropriate for this player because... He had his rookie season last year, made some g- surprise plays, showed some glimpses of of the potential uh, when we drafted him sixth round, 207th overall to Notre Dame, and that's equanimous Tristan J. Imitep St. Brown. I believe I got that right. Did I get that right? Yeah, I think so. It's it's a pretty long name, but I think you got it. <laughs> I wanted to make sure. I And I think uh, equanimous St. Brown is a guy that a lot of Packer fans and a lot of people are sleeping on because of uh, Marquez Valdez scaling. And, and the breakout is is definitely valid for MVS. Uh, he shined a lot more than what Equinemius St. Brown did last year. I just think that with Equinemius St. Brown, he fell to the sixth round last year. He had a big case of the I don't give a Fs. And uh, apparently that is what caused his draft stock to slide. Inconsistent uh, quarterback play as well. But for me, I... I just think that um, he has he oozes the most big play potential out of all of the wide receivers, not named Devontae Adams, of course, because Devontae, I believe, is a top two wide receiver. But with Equinemius St. Brown, yeah, even though he had 21 receptions for 328 yards and no touchdowns, there were a couple games that stood out. Uh, I know a lot of people talk about that San Francisco 49ers game. That was the only catch that he had in that game, but that was what propelled that drive and ended up, uh, I think, being the, the the game-winning drive, and then Kevin King had an interception to ice the victory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that catch, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it was you know not necessarily like a, some kind of breakout game, but that catch obviously at the time was such a huge catch in the game, but also – that catch he made was so, you know, you see a veteran make that catch. You know, you see Jordy Nelson make that catch on the sideline, back shoulder, turning around, all hands, no body. That is a very difficult catch to make on third down late in the game. And he did it like, you know, like he was in a sleep, like a smooth transition, turned around, grabbed it, got his feet in, got out of bounds. It was a really, really impressive play to see from any rookie, regardless of where he's drafted. That's a vet move. And he made it look very natural. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad that you added that. And week two, we saw glimpses right off the bat. He had a three-catch performance for 89 yards. 
And then in week 12 against the Jets, he had a five-catch performance for 94 yards. Again, no touchdowns, but I I just feel like everyone's talking about Geronimo Allison and MVS, Devonta Adams, of course, Jay Kumaro and Darius Shepard and Teo mm-hmm. Redding, which it's an exciting time to be a Packers fan because it just seems that this roster is chock full of potential depth and overall competition, which is going to make this d- team I hopefully better. Competition is what makes yeah. everyone better, in my opinion. And so I think Equinemius St. Brown is flying underneath the radar uh, at or, uh, Andrew Mertig, M-E-R-T-I-G, at Andrew Mertig of Packaday Podcast. He, he had a bold take and said that he's going to be a top 30 wide receiver this year. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to jump wow. aboard that that top 30 train. I'm going to – I don't – Man, now I'm I'm having second thoughts. I think he's going to be a sleeper where he'll bounce off of that 21 receptions for 328 yards. I I see him more in that 800 range, and I think he can provide six or seven touchdowns. But year three is where I see that breakout really happening. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of times you see with receivers in the NFL, you know, it's so hard the transition and sometimes it will take them a year or two. We saw it with Devontae and we've, you know, plenty of other receivers when they hit their third year is when they really catch their stride. Um, but yeah, I mean, with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, you know, anyone, you know, you can go out there and you're going to make a contribution. And I think EQ can definitely do that. Last year, I mean, I believe when you were talking, referencing the Lions game where he had that big catch at the end of the game where he kind of caught it out the slot and turned what looked to be like, you know, probably a 12 to 15 yard gain into like a 40 yard gain. And you see that big play potential. He has the speed and he played he played in Notre Dame and that's a big college. And I, I was actually in uh, Indiana when he was in college in Notre Dame. So I was somewhat of a Notre Dame fan and I watched him play. And this guy's no joke. Like he was dominant. And I think that yeah, as a part of this offense, if he's out there on the field, he'll definitely be able to contribute here in year two, and even more so as he continues to grow as a receiver and transition into the NFL speed and all that stuff when, it, you know, that transition from college to, to the NFL. Great added analysis on that one, Ellie. I appreciate that. Who's your uh, who's rounding out your sleeper, your second sleeper for your Green Bay Packers? So my... My last sleeper is uh, linebacker Oren Burks, who we drafted, of course, out of Vanderbilt last year, number 88 overall. Had a very quiet rookie season. Um, I think that was partly due to the fact that he, you know, he was dealing with an injury in training camp and in preseason. So any rookie who's missing time in training camp and preseason, you know, they're already behind everyone else. So he didn't see a lot of the field last year. But we already know from reports during this training camp that he's been out there. He's been running with the ones. He's next to Blake Martinez there in the middle, and he's been making some plays. Um, I don't know if you saw that video of him covering Aaron Jones out of the backfield where he you know, kind of jumped in front of the pass and tipped it up and intercepted it. It was a great play. And they seem very confident in him as a starter next to Blake Martinez and I'm actually, I, I really still have high hopes for a lot of people kind of sleep on him because, again, he didn't make much of an impact as a rookie. But rarely do middle linebackers do. It's a very difficult position. It's more than just pass rushing. There's a lot of, you know, using your head involved in it, the plays, reading things. And he actually said that this offseason, the thing he worked on the most 
was his eyes, as in being able to read and react to a play, looking at the right things, not getting confused behind the line of scrimmage with any kind of motions and all pre-snap motions and formations. So I think as he gets used to the NFL speed and all the things that come with that, he's going to be able to play much faster and much more effectively next to Blake Martinez. I think there'll probably be a mix between him and maybe Josh Jones or maybe Raven Green, another hybrid kind of linebacker, someone maybe on, on passing downs. But I think on early downs, Oren Burke should be lined up next to Martinez, and I think he's going to do a great job. I, I'm big on Oren Burks. I think that uh, I'm hoping it all comes together. Uh, Coach Lafleur talked about how there's a lot of potential in Oren Burks as well. I think that's a great sleeper. Uh, we're counting on him uh, to provide some much-needed help to that inside linebacker uh, positional grouping. So I'm hoping for uh, for a big or a sol- a solid year, definitely. And then kind of that year three jump is what, or that year three. Um, maybe breakout, um, especially it'd be interesting with Blake Martinez's contract ending in 2020 and uh, Oren Burks possibly being, I don't know if that air replacement or air apparent to to uh, Blake Martinez's role if they decide not to pay him. I'm not saying anything of some sort of prediction of Blake Martinez not getting paid or not, but I'm, I think that they're looking at Oren Burks and seeing what they have in him him being a Brian Gutekunst guy and how they're transforming <laughs> uh, that defense. I'm going to uh, wrap up our breakouts and sleepers portion with another inside linebacker, uh, James Crawford. Yeah. And I uh, was surprised to hear his name on a Pack-A-Day podcast last week by Andy Herman at Scani Sports. And I got the goosies. I got the goosebumps because I've been a huge James Crawford fan uh, this is like a rags to riches type of type of story for James Crawford. Last year, the Packers signed him in the beginning of August, and then makes the 53 man outright because of being a dynamo in special teams. He really helped in that third phase uh, for the Green Bay Packers. I believe he had 13 tackles and a fumble recovery. Well, he he sp- used that as a springboard into OTAs, and he had a pick six, or what would have been a pick six against Tim Boyle. And the speed is what really stood yeah. out. He's a guy that plays w- with his hair on fire, what Andy uh, Herman said. A guy that was a defensive end in college uh, for Illinois, went undrafted, and I think can play inside linebacker, outside linebacker. And I think the biggest sleeper acquisition that the Green Bay Packers had is inside linebackers coach Mike Smith from Kansas City Chiefs and what he's done, or the linebackers coach uh, Mike Smith and what he's done with Kansas City with D Ford and Justin Houston. I he's he's a guy that I cannot wait to see what he does to inspire this linebacker core and I'm hoping almost in the same vein as Kevin Green. Yeah, I mean Mike Smith um just to quickly add to that. Yeah, like a lot of times, you know, you hear about the coach, you hear about the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, not so much about position coaches, but I cannot say enough about the amount of praise that Mike Smith has gotten throughout his career and D Ford, a, you know, obviously a huge uh, free uh, trade acquisition this year uh, to the Seahawks from the Chiefs, but he accredited a huge portion of his success to Mike Smith as well as I believe um, da- uh, Damian Jones, uh, the defensive tackle on the Chiefs. He also said that even though he wasn't working with the linebackers, but Mike Smith overall made a big impact on him, and he had a huge breakout year last year. 
but I'm really, really excited about Mike Smith. You know, pairing him with Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Kyler Fackrell, the middle linebacker group, and Blake Martinez and Oren Burks and James Crawford. He's going to be like a really, really big part of this defense. Um, someone I'm really excited about. And when they hired him, I remember getting really excited and, you know, texting and calling some of my friends who are Packer fans. And they were kind of like, what? Who is that linebacker coach, whatever, you know, Mike Pettin. And I was like, yeah, I love Pettin, obviously, but Mike Smith is going to make a huge, huge impact on this linebacker group. Yeah, absolutely. And he's the outside linebackers coach. So my bad on my earlier snafu. And uh, he's close with Mike Pettin as, as well. And they're friends. And I know how that can backfire. It did with Mike McCarthy last year. But anyway, I, I digress a little bit on that and want to thank you so much, Ellie, uh, for being part of Breakouts and Sleepers on tap. Can you tell our fan base and uh, everyone that's listening uh, where they can find you on Twitter as well as any other social media platforms? Yeah. Um, well, first off, thank you so much, Bryce, for bringing me on the show. It's been an awesome experience, and I hope to do it again soon. And uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at PTTF underscore Ellie, PTTF underscore Ellie. And uh, yeah, come by, give me a follow, check. I'm always uh, putting out some fantasy articles some Packer articles, game film, breaking it down. Um, tomorrow, I actually have a new series I started, which will be called Thursday Threads, which is going to basically be just some breakdown of film of some of the Packers' biggest uh, moments for certain players. So tomorrow I have Jordy Nelson featured, who obviously is a fan favorite, just going to be putting out some of his uh, most memorable plays, and I think it's going to be uh, really fun. Oh, that's great. Uh, and that'll uh, when this episode um, releases, that'll be tomorrow. So this uh, episode is set to release on Thursday. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true, my <laughs> No, that's all good, man. That's all good. And uh, Packers will resume, resume practice on Thursday at 10.15. And then on Friday, they have uh, Family Fest, Family Night over at Lambeau Field. And then they have practice again on Sunday. Monday and Tuesday, they have their joint practice with the Houston Texans. And then they square off week one preseason against your Houston Texans. Um, thank you so much, Ellie, for being part of Breakouts and Sleepers on Tap and the Unknown Packers podcast. Uh, you can follow the Unknown Packers podcast at Unknown Packers, as well as our website, theunknownpackers.com. All over social media platforms, that's Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Reddit. Uh, you can follow us, the Unknown Packers podcast, as well as on YouTube, the Unknown Packers podcast, because we are the only podcast available in American Sign Language and English. Uh, this is Breakouts and Sleepers on tap. I am Bryce Christensen, and this is the Unknown Packers podcast. <laughs>